episode, and um, I'll tell you a little bit about how we uh, got to do the competition. And then Guru Maharaj will be talking about Bhagavad and um, its essential nature and how, why it's such an important text for all of us. And then after that, uh, Gambia Watts, the judge, will be here and he'll um, announce the winner. So what the program is tonight is we're judging the, uh, we're announcing the, uh, the prize winner for $10,000 for the Bhagavad Gita essay competition. The inspiration for the Bhagavad Gita as it is essay competition came from Bhakti Charaswami's Gita competition from the school students in Madhya Pradesh, Ujjain, um, in India. And he had uh, a multiple choice competition for the students. There were about 60,000 students entered. And I felt that we could run something similar for the university students here in Australia in order to broaden the discussion on the nature of being in the student body. So this is what we said to the university students. The Bhagavad Gita is for everyone, whether you're atheist, agnostic, or theist. The Gita is an ontological discussion between a teacher and a student and sets out a way of life that embraces notions of how to lead a happy life, how to be peaceful in a world of change and conflict. We come into life with many questions. Who am I? Why am I here? What is the meaning of life? This is the human condition. Bhagavad Gita gives a helpful framework with which to go forth into the world and live one's life successfully. A successful life is not only measured by material success, but by spiritual success as well, that which affects our human spirit or soul. In essence, how to be happy through the ups and downs of life's journey. The Gita gives helpful tools with which to lead a larger life. The philosophies discussed in the Gita help you to pursue the life of your dreams. At school, you're taught to go out and get a job. But life is not simply about getting that job. Life is a mystery, an adventure, an unfolding. And the Bhagavad Gita helps you to embrace the awesome mystery of your life. There's also a wonderful quote uh, by Albert Einstein that sums it up very nicely. When I read the Bhagavad Gita and reflect about how God created this universe, everything else seems so superfluous. So with that, I'll introduce my teacher Swami who's um, here from India. And um, His Holiness is a spiritual master in the International Society of Krishna Consciousness, ISKCON. He is a disciple of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who is the founder Acharya of ISKCON, and is regarded as one of the most advanced devotees in the movement today. Maharaj hails from an aristocratic Bengali family. He was born in 1945, and spent most of his early childhood in urban Calcutta. He left India in 1970 to study at university in Germany, where he came across the Vedic scriptures. This spurred in him the desire to explore a deep understanding of spirituality. After completing his studies, he spent a number of years searching for a spiritual master to guide him on the spiritual path. His search came to an end when he came across Srila Prabhupada's teachings in the form of one of his books, The Nectar of Devotion. As he was reading this book, he became more and more convinced that Srila Prabhupada was the person who could properly guide him on the spiritual path. 
Thus, he accepted him as a spiritual master. He joined Istvan in late 1976, and shortly thereafter, Srila Prabhupada awarded him initiation in the renounced order of Sanyas. He has been traveling and preaching for over 35 years with disciples all over the world. He translated Srila Prabhupada's books into Bengali, and thereafter, he was involved in creating, writing, producing, and directing the epic biographical video series, Abhay Charan. With over 100 episodes and broadcast on Indian national television, the series chronicled Srila Prabhupada's life and achievements. Maharaj then went on to develop the Eastern project in Ujjayi, Madhya Pradesh. Under his leadership, an extraordinary marble temple was built there in less than 10 months. He continues to oversee the development of the Ujjayi project and local outreach activities. Under his direction, more than 20,000 school children in Ujjayi receive their school midday meal. He travels all over the world, guiding and inspiring people with his profound Shastric knowledge and his sweet singing of the devotional bhajans. Please welcome Mara. Which is actually the real need of this world today. 
felt that need for distributing the knowledge, the spiritual knowledge to the people in general. And this is the only solution to the problems <coughs> that the world is facing today. I'll briefly try to discuss that later on. First of all, I want to thank Satya Maharani for her very noble endeavor. And I wish her all the best. She is now wants to extend it from national endeavor to an international endeavor. She was telling me that this this year or next year? This year she will make it a worldwide competition. And so I wish her all the best and I also assure her of all my So why the message of Bhagavad Gita so important? It is important because Bhagavad Gita is very systematically giving us the knowledge about the spiritual reality. Bhagavad Gita very scientifically giving us the informations about our actual identity. Now, let us consider, is there something beyond matter? Or the matter is everything? Now, if we consider that, if we just embark on that domain, then we can very easily see that two things are existing side by side in this world around us. One is inert matter, like so many things here in this room are inert, like the chairs, this table, the microphone, the floor, the wall, the building, they all are inert inert matter. Matter generally is inert by nature. But at the same time we are seeing that here we are. Are we inert or are we conscious? Are we dead or are we alive? What will be done? We are living. We are conscious. Now our bodies are made of matter. But these bodies don't act like matter. They act in a certain way which is totally in defiance to the nature of matter. For example, as I said, matter is inert but we all are living. We all are conscious. <clears throat> I 
numbers for this weekend. Do you want to see what? Just see that it's from Okay, thank you. Yeah, I'll just Matter. Now, our bodies are made of matter, but this body are But then, at some point, this body made of inert, dead matter will become dead again. Aren't you all going to die someday? Yes. Now, what is what this phenomenon actually indeed does indicate? Like when somebody dies, don't we say he is gone? He passed away, he left. Now who is that he? When he was present in this body, the body was alive, and when that personality left, the body made of dead matter became dead again. So the informations are very scientifically given in the Bible. Actually the Vedic scriptures very scientifically deal with these spiritual Actually, the informations or knowledge of Bhagavad Gita is not some mundane philosophical concept. Bhagavad Gita is dealing with absolute reality. Bhagavad Gita is a science. It is not speaking about some religion as such. Here we make a distinction, this difference between spirituality and religion mainly because today the religion has degenerated into some mere rituals of blind faith. And that is not what is presented in Bhagavad Gita. When I say that, that religion has degenerated into a blind faith, it is not actually my expression. I was uh, quoting Bill Durant, an American philosopher, who actually mentioned, it was his words, a religion remains a religion for first few years. Then it becomes a philosophy. Then it becomes a religious convenience. It, then it becomes a political convenience. And then it becomes a mere ritual. And we have seen most of the religions of this world go through these phases. And today most of the religions of the world has come to that point. A mere ritual. They are doing something, practicing something, Without practical, without actually understanding why they are doing it. They have lost the actual purpose of the religion. And that is why we do not actually want to identify our perception and our endeavor as a kind of a religious practice as such, rather it is a spiritual activity. And as a matter of fact, religion 
is a science. If physics is the science of energy, if chemistry is the science of matter, if mathematics is the science of numbers, if uh, biology is the science of uh, life, then religion in reality is a science of spiritual reality. The systematic study of the spiritual reality is the study of the spiritual reality, the study of the spiritual identity, and the study or understanding of the supreme spiritual personality, God, is religion. But unfortunately, most of the religions today have lost that aspect of religion. Religions are not seen as a science anymore. It is, it has Therefore, I say, degenerated into blind faith and some mere rituals. So, what is being presented in Bhagavad Gita? Bhagavad Gita is giving us a systematic understanding of who we are. Like any intelligent person will accept the concept about the existence of soul. And Bhagavad Gita is providing us the information about the soul. What is the nature of the soul? Where does the soul come from? All these informations are available in Bhagavad Gita. Bhagavad Gita is very systematically and very scientifically presented, the nature of the soul. What is the nature of the soul? Uh, the first information. The soul is never born and the soul will never die. Na jayate. Jayate means to be born. Mriyate means to die. The soul is never born and the soul will never die. Kadachin means never. The birth and death are pertaining to the body. When the soul accepts a new body, we call it birth. When the soul leaves the old body, we call it death. Now who is born and who is who dies? The body. Body made of matter. And as long as the soul remains in this body, that is called life. The period between birth and death So that is the beginning of this wisdom. And non jayate mriyateva, it's never born nor will it ever die. And that is being specifically being defined. Nainam chinnanti shastrani. No weapon can ever cut the soul. Nainam gahati pavaka. Fire cannot burn the soul. Na chainam kledayanta apur. 
The water cannot moisten the soul or drown the soul. And Nayam Shoshayati Nor can air dry the soul. The soul is totally unaffected by any of these material phenomena. The body can be cut to pieces by weapon. The body can be burned by fire. Body can be drowned in water and the body can be dried by air. Matter is subjected to, to those phenomena, but not the soul. Soul is beyond that. Even in the worst nuclear explosion, the soul will not be affected. So that is the nature of the soul. Ajomitta Shashtata Hayantula. The soul is unborn, the soul is eternal, soul is everlasting. And then uh, comes the origin of the soul. Where does, where does the soul come from? Is the soul a product of material, chemical combination? No. The soul comes from another reality. Beyond this material nature, there is another reality, the spiritual reality. And the soul is coming from there. Remind you, this is not just some speculative conclusions. They're systematic, scientific, analytic. And that is what has been presented. To give, it, to give a simple understanding, how the Bhagavad Gita is coming to the consideration of another reality beyond this material nature, just in two verses of this Bhagavad Gita, Krishna has explained that. That is material in nature, this material nature is composed of eight elements. Earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence and false ego. Bhumi, Rapo, Anado, Vayu, Kham, Mano, Devasha, so, earth means solid substance, water, liquid, fire, fire substance, air, and ether. These five are gross material elements. And beyond these five gross elements, there are three subtle elements. The mind, intelligence and false ego. There are also elements. Mind is a material element. Intelligence is a material element. And false ego, which is the misconception of the body to be the self, is called false ego. It is also an element, subtle, beyond even ether. With these eight elements, this material nature has been composed of. But then the consideration is aparayam. There may separate energy. There, meaning uh, this is material nature is a separated energy of Krishna. Now, incidentally, I also want to remind you all, most of you know that, this Bhagavad Gita was spoken by Krishna himself, the Supreme Personality of God. 
The personality who is being worshipped in the temple, he is the one who spoke with Bhagavad And that's why we worship. Because he is the supreme personality. And his words are of absolute truth. So Krishna is saying that this material nature consisting of these eight elements, in simple words, we can say that this is an objective reality. But the objects cannot exist without the subject. Like for example, if I am not here, will this world exist for me? If none of us are here, will that world exist for us? No. So it is we uh, are the subject. And Krishna is then explaining, Aparya vikastannam prakritim vithi me param jiva bhutan mahabhahu The living entities, we all, the jivas, the living entities, not the bodies, but the ones, those who have made the body alive, those who have made the body conscious. They are sustaining this material. So this is how it is concluded that beyond this material reality, there is another nature, the spiritual reality, the spiritual nature. And then the information about that reality has been presented. And then ultimately Krishna is revealing his identity as the Supreme Personality of God. We are souls, Krishna also is spirit souls. So, spiritual entity. The difference is we are minute and he is the absolute. We all are coming from him. He is the original source of us. That's why he is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The identity of the Supreme Personality of Godhead is that He is the source of everything. Everything came from Him. We all are coming from Him. And that is why uh, He is identified as the Father. Just as, just as children come from the Father, we all came from Him and that's why He is the Supreme Father. The fathers and mothers of these bodies will come and go. The body will change and with the changing of the body we'll get a new, new sets of fathers and mother. But the original father is Krishna, the Supreme Personality. And that also has been uh, scientifically established. Like, okay, <laughs> Actually, there's so much to say. Once we start speaking, that's one problem. Like, we have to think how to concise everything in such a small span of time. Uh, right? And uh, anyway, I will try to. See, <clears throat> Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, comes to this material nature from time to time. That's, uh, that appearance of the Lord is called incarnation. The Sanskrit word for that is avatar. Avatar means descending. 
he descends from the spiritual sky to this material nature. He comes here to remind us about him. He comes here to enable us to give us a, to enable us to develop our relationship with him. That's why he comes. He comes here to protect us and by showing us how he cares for us, he, he enables us to see what a wonderful well-wisher we have in him. And when he comes, he can come in various ways. He can come straight from the spiritual world. There are various appearances of the Lord manifesting himself in various ways. Like, but like as I said, like sometimes he can come straight from the spiritual sky to accomplish the mission. He does that to protect his devotees. And those informations are extensively available in our scriptures, the Vedic scriptures. Sometimes he appeared from a, from a pillar. The, the king of the demons was Hiranyakashipu. He was absolutely inimical to the Supreme Lord, but his son became a devotee. So he tried to even kill his son. Like he was so inimical towards the Lord that when he saw that his son became a devotee of the Lord, a worshipper of the Lord, an admirer of the Lord, he couldn't tolerate that. He said, he is siding with my enemy. To kill him. But no matter in whichever way he tried to kill him, he could not. It was prolonged, was just a five-year-old boy. And then finally, Hiranyakashipu, the father, asked him, where are you getting all this power that I cannot do anything to you? You seem to be totally invincible. And his simple answer was, I am getting the power from where you are also getting your power. Where am I getting this power? What do you mean? You are getting it from the Supreme Personality of Godhead because he is the source of all power. He is the source of everything. And he could tolerate that. He said that, where is your Hari? Where is your Supreme Personality of Godhead? He said, he is everywhere. And then he asked, is he in that pillar? He said, yes, he is in that pillar also. So then he remembered she could just be striking the pillar with his fist. So powerful, shattered the pillar. But from that pillar emerged a beautiful form. A form that had the head of a lion and the body of a man. Lord Nishina. So the Lord can appear in so many ways. He doesn't have to come in a certain way like we do, through the father, the mother. He can come in so many ways, but also he comes as a human being. As you mean, the human form born out of a father and mother. And as naturally, in that appearance, he develops his relationships with his relatives.
father, mother, uncle, aunt, nephews, cousin, and so forth. Now, Arjun, in this past times, was Krishna's cousin. And they're of the same age, so they were very intimate friends also. And now this, in the battle of Kurukshetra, Krishna became Arjuna's chariot driver. Took a vow that he won't side with anyone and fight with anyone. So he remained neutral. But he wouldn't fight, he wouldn't touch any weapon, but he would drive the chariot of Arjuna. And that is the background of Bhagavad Gita. Krishna at the battlefield of Kurukshetra when Arjuna had to fight with his own relatives. Not that he wanted to fight, but they, he was forced into that fight because of the adamant attitude of his cousin. And Krishna started to tell Arjuna, started to impart the wisdom of Bhagavad Gita to Arjuna. And then at some point, after, in the after imparting the knowledge of Karma Yoga, of branch of Yoga, called Karma Yoga, or the Yoga of Action, Krishna told Arjuna in the beginning of fourth chapter that I imparted the knowledge to Sun God, Vivashwan. Then Vivashwan gave it to his son, Manu. Then Manu gave it to his son, Ikshaku. And in this way, through a disciplic succession, disciplic chain, of disciple, spiritual master and disciple, this knowledge has been flowing. But unfortunately, the knowledge got interrupted, the knowledge got spoiled uh, due to the breakage of this succession, and that's why I'm giving this knowledge to you again. And through you, I am re-establishing this line of this succession. Now, mind you, Krishna and Arjuna of the same age, their cousins. And now Krishna is telling Arjuna that I imparted the knowledge to Sun God. Like I don't know in the Western concept whether you have any understanding of Sun God and how he, who He is and so forth. But uh, in the Vedic concept there is a very specific understanding. Uh, the Sun God, the Sun is a planet. And the personality who is ruling over the Sun planet is Sun God. And he's a personality, his name is Vivashwan. And he has a son. His, the name of his son is Vanu. Anyway, so Vivashwan was so many millions of years ago. So when Krishna told, I imparted this knowledge to Vivashwan, Arjuna's natural consideration was, Krishna was just born the other day. Krishna, you are born just the other day, Aparam Bhavatur Janma. And Param Janma Vivashvata. Vivashvata was born so many billions of years ago, billions of years ago. How can I understand that you imparted the knowledge to him? 
So then Krishna started to tell him. Krishna said, look Arjun, many many times you have taken birth, so did I. Bohune me petitani, jammani kavacharjuna. Tani aham veda sarvani, about all those birth, I remember everything. But not the vedha part, but you don't remember anything. So this is how he is establishing the difference between him and us. Uh, we are minute living entities. We are forgetful about the past. But he never forgets anything. And then he says that your birth is forced upon you. Whereas I appear, I don't take birth. Sampabhami, I manifest myself taking uh, the advantage of my internal potency, I manifest. In this respect, Prabhupada gave an example that the prisoner and the king. The prisoners are there in the prison house because of their crime. They are subjected to imprisonment. And the owner of the prison is the king. And if sometimes the king wants, he can go to the prison. Especially when he wants to educate the prisoners and tell them why are you indulging in sinful activities? Why are you indulging yourself in criminal activities? Just uh, abide by my laws, surrender to me, and you'll become free from your imprisonment. Can the king do that? But when the king goes to the prison, does the king become a prisoner? Even if the king wears the dress of a prisoner, but everybody, especially the officials there, they know that he is the king. Just in order to educate the prisoners, he is playing a certain role. So that's what the Supreme Personality of God does. His appearance here is totally different from our coming here. We are coming and going due to our past karmic reactions. We don't have any control over our activities. But that's not the case with him. He is the supreme controller. He can appear anytime. He can act in whichever way he wants. And then he can go whenever he wants. But he comes with a specific purpose. And the main objective of his arrival here, of his coming here, is to remind us about our relationship with him, loving relationship with him, and the benefit that we can derive by re-establishing our lost relationship. It's like we are a bunch of prisoners, but the king comes and reminds us about our relationship with him, and by re-establishing that lost relationship, we get the opportunity not, not only to get out of the prison, but reside with him in his palace. What a promotion it is. From prison to the palace of the king. And that is the opportunity he provides us, just by having him. And that is the information that has been so systematically so scientifically 
and in such a simple way has been presented by the Supreme Personality of Godhead in the Bhagavad Gita. And that is why it is so important that the message of this Bhagavad Gita, the wisdom of this Bhagavad Gita is distributed extensively for the benefit of everybody. Thank you very much. Did the judge come? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. So maybe you can ask him to go. Okay. Uh, Gambia, did you want to just come up the front? This is Gambia Watts, our judge for the evening. <laughs> I didn't realize and <laughs> that you are already here. Uh, then I would have asked you to come and sit here. <laughs> Please. So happy to meet you. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you, um, Gurmaraj, for that wonderful, inspiring talk. Um, Gambia Watts has arrived, and um, just a little brief intro. Um, he's kindly agreed to judge the winner of uh, the Bhagavad Gita as it is essay competition. And can somebody type this? Thank you. Um, He's chosen the winner from over 200 entries from the university students nationwide. And we got entries from everywhere, Perth, uh, Hobart. Uh, we even got one from Alice Springs, um, Darwin, Cairns, uh, Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide, Canberra, all our capital cities and a few little bit of country towns as well. Um, so just to let you know a little bit about uh, Gambier and his distinguished career, he's the founder and president of Bharatiya Vidya Bhavan Australia, an international NGO which promotes Indian education and culture. He's the founder and CEO of Taxation Guru PTY Limited, a Sydney accounting firm, and the founder and CEO of International Centre of Nonviolence Australia. He has a Master of Administrative Law and Policy from Sydney University and is a Fellow of the Australian Institute of Management as well as the Taxation Institute of Australia and a Fellow of the British Institute of Management. He received the GoPO Community Service Award in recognition of outstanding community service to the people of Australia and India in 2011. And he also runs the Holy Mahotsa Festival every autumn here in Sydney. It's a huge three-day cultural event that celebrates Indian dance, music and food um, culture. So please let's welcome Gambia Watts. Okay, <laughs> and he's also an initiated um, disciple of Gopal Krishna 25 years ago. <laughs> yeah. In the holy mass, we also have started Rath Yatra. So every year we have big Rath Yatra. So. Right, the check. Did you want to come and stand here? We'll, yeah. we'll hand it out. Uh, he's speaking something. Oh, Let did you want to speak something? Did you want to oh. give the name? Yeah. Or, or did you want to speak something? No, no, it's only name. Just the name. Yes. Okay. Swami, that's okay. I can okay. speak. Okay. <laughs> here we go. And 
The essays were uh, judged uh, as per the given selection different criteria, and those essays who met uh, the, all the terms of the uh, competition, including the format and the type of questions, so they were given priority. And amongst all the essays, uh, which came very close to the criteria, was essay by Helena Vidov. This is the prize for winner prize for Helena Vidov. Is Helena Vidov here? Will you please come come forward? The essay required understanding of Bhagavad Gita and how to apply Bhagavad Gita principles on particular problem. Something you have to give? No, you are, okay, we can give both. Yeah. <laughs> come, come forward. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Hare Krishna. Yeah. Hare Krishna. Thank you. So is this? That's the real check, and this is the. Oh, I thought you said. Oh, I thought you said that it was very nice. You're the winner. Oh, I'm the winner. Oh gosh! Yes, thank you very much. Thank you, Hare Right, this is a bit of a surprise. I thought that when you said my name, I was, I was, that you were working your way back towards the winner. I thought I'd got him in third place or something. <laughs> um, <clears throat> thank you so very, 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 very much to His Holiness, His Holiness Bhaktachiru Maharaj. Thank you very, very much to uh, Gambri Watts Prabhu. Uh, hang on, I got my back to Sacha here. Sacha, I've only just met you. <laughs> Thank you so extremely much for your correspondence and your uh, just helping me. Um, when I was writing the essay, I was constantly uh, emailing uh, Sacha uh, regarding the um, parameters of you know how we should write, how we, how we can write, um, and so forth. <laughs> Hang on, I'm still tripping over the cord here. Um, so. Gosh, uh, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> this is quite amazing. Um, so, you know, I, I was thinking about this, and uh, of course, uh, this this uh, price and this honour, of course, actually belongs to Srila Prabhupada because any knowledge that I've gained about the uh, Bhagavad Gita has, of course, come from him. Uh, it, it's his knowledge, it's his teachings, and of course, uh, even more so on a higher level, Krishna himself. Krishna writes about himself in the Bhagavad Gita. He explains himself. <laughs> um, on a personal note, I would really, really like to thank my um, very good friend and mentor, His Holiness Mukunda Maharaj, who has been uh, guiding, guiding me in my writings over the last few years. And um, 
uh, everybody, all my friends at New Govardhan, New Govardhan Yatra, and also I have some devotee friends also here in the Sydney Yatra. And um, I really don't know what to, more to say, but uh, thank you all uh, very much. Thank you. And just uh, one last thing. Um, yeah, I, I really hope that you keep going with this. Everyone, at least a new governor uh, farm, new governor community, sort of thinks that this is a really, really good idea. And uh, I think the international one, definitely. <laughs> All right, thank you again. Okay, Hare Krishna. Thank you so much. Just a quick uh, plug on the international one. Um, we're starting it probably in April and it'll be going through to November. Um, it'll be the same question as we had in 2014, but anyone anywhere can enter. You don't have to be a university student. So whatever country you're from and you're inspired, please enter. Um, we're on the website bgasitis.com.au, so please check out details. Anyway, that's the end of the evening and thank you so much everyone for coming. Yes? Yes, we'll be publishing excerpts of the essay and some of the, the runners-up as well, just to give people an idea. And you can um, put it in Dandavan. Yes, yes, we'll put it in there as well. ISKCON And any other questions uh, for Maraj or anything I was else? thinking, uh, maybe we can offer a garnish. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Come talk. Will you come for Helena for a gown? Yeah. You can offer it. You can. Thank you so much for coming and for your, all your support and uh, enjoy the rest of the evening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.